Welcome to With You in the NICU, a podcast for infant patients' parents and practitioners. Each episode aims to last as long as a pumping session for mom, or you could listen to several while you practice skin-to-skin with baby. With You in the NICU is produced by the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation. This episode is made possible by presenting sponsor Medela with support from AbbVie and Prolacta. Your host for With You in the NICU is Jenna Morton, a parenting journalist and mother of two preemie boys. I'm not sure any of us truly appreciate the value of sleep until we've been deprived of it, which for most of us I think generally occurs when we enter parenthood and those dreaded sleepless nights for the baby. But as much as we might make light of the situation in popular culture, there are serious implications to not getting enough sleep for both baby and caregiver. To talk about the importance of sleep, I'm joined by Dr. Robin Stremler. She's a Toronto-based professor and researcher who specializes in improving sleep and health outcomes for infants, children, and parents. Welcome to With You in the NICU. Thanks, it's great to be with you. I'm wondering if you could start by addressing some of the common misconceptions around sleep in infants. One of the biggest ones is that there's nothing you can do uh, about sleep. You've just got to roll with it. Uh, and that's true to some extent, especially with very young infants. But sleep in many ways is a learned behavior. And so there are things uh, later on in infancy that uh, parents can do to help shape sleep a bit. What is it that is so important? Why is it so important for us to take the time to make sure we create these good sleep habits? Yeah, I mean, it's important for infants and their parents to get sleep. Uh, And that's because we know sleep serves a number of important functions. So if you miss out on sleep, we know that your brain just doesn't process information as well. So for adults, that means you might make mistakes, um, you feel slowed down in your thinking. For infants, they are doing a lot in terms of brain development in the early months and years. And so we know that the opportunity to sleep is linked with how you form memories, how new skills are learned and consolidated. Um, And also they're interacting with the world a lot. So they are taking in a lot and need breaks. So they need sleep to kind of shut down, process what they've been doing, and then come back to interact with their parents and the rest of the world more refreshed and ready. So our listening audience is mostly parents with preemies and with babies in the NICU. What is it about sleep with that group that we should be really aware of? aware of that it is a really important piece uh, for those babies it's also a more challenging environment in the NICU um, and we've made really big strides in terms of recognizing the importance in um, the neonatal intensive care unit and how that might influence sleep so I suspect many of your listeners will be familiar with nurses and physicians efforts to keep lights low at appropriate times, uh, to try and limit noise, because we know those things interfere with sleep. So we've come a long way in terms of appreciating that and trying to protect the environment uh, for sleep. 
And of course, um, you know, there are procedures and assessments that need to happen in the NICU. And we've come a long way in terms of knowing that we should cluster care, um, take cues from the infant so that we're interacting with the infant when they are in a more alert state as opposed to going to them when they're in a restful, quiet, sleeping state and interrupting that. Uh, so there's much more attention in the NICU environment to protecting that sleep time so that infants can get the benefits of the rest, um, the relaxation, the um, you know, the importance for their brain development. I remember the nurse saying, if you're gonna do skin to skin, you need to be staying here for long enough to make it worth taking him out. Right, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's another, you know, great advantage of skin to skin, that it really um, does create the conditions um, that promotes sleep so that, yeah, you wanna be doing it for long enough that they're able to get into that quiet sleep stage and really reap the benefits of it. I think there were probably quite a few times that I reaped the benefits of yeah, oh, taking of a nap at the same time. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, one of my postdoctoral fellows looked at um, doing some pilot work, seeing if we could dim the lights and keep things quiet uh, for moms while they were doing skin to skin care, because we've focused a lot in research on the benefits to the infant of skin-to-skin -skin care in terms of their physiology, their heart rates, um, you know, stay down low, their oxygen levels stay high. Um, and so she was really interested in, in looking at would mom's anxiety go down uh, if we kind of created the same environment for them during skin-to-skin, -skin, so. I, I would think it would uh, yeah. be very beneficial. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in, in terms of that, what are some things I know, you know, I think it's a, it's a general part of parenthood that we start to put ourselves, you know, last on the list of things right. we take care of, but in terms, especially of sleep, what is it that parents listening should be keeping aware of for themselves? Yeah. Well, we know if adults miss out on sleep, uh, it's more difficult to make decisions you're not processing information as well. And for parents who have a baby in the NICU, you are having to take in a lot of information and you may need to be making really important decisions for your baby. So that's a really big reason to try and get as much sleep as you can. Um, we also know your immune system functions best when you have adequate sleep. So missing out on sleep is putting you more at risk of picking up those colds or flu bugs. Um, so you're going to want to avoid that, given um, that you're wanting to go into the NICU and, and visit your baby. Even simple things like we know missing out on sleep affects how hungry you are the following day and the kinds of food choices you make. So we know it interferes with our glucose metabolism. So you gravitate more to the, to the donuts, the higher fat, higher sugar snacks. Um, so there are cardiovascular implications as well. But probably the biggest uh, and most important factor for families with a baby is the link between missing out on sleep and mood. 
So there are really strong relationships between sleep deprivation and having low mood. And if that carries on, even between sleep deprivation and things like postpartum depression. Um, so it, it is tough because you want to spend as much time as possible with your baby. You may have other children and maybe your partner is working and there's a lot of demands on your time. But I think trying to carve out um, space for sleep really reaps you benefits in other spheres of your life. So you're going to be able to give more if you take out that time for sleep. I think it's a really great way for parents to think about it in terms of, like you say, of, you know, you're, you're helping your own immune system. Yeah. If you get the right amount of sleep, you're helping your own capability to advocate for your infant because then yeah. in your mind, you're still like, Oh no, I'm still putting the baby first. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right? I think it, it's hard to get ourselves out of that mindset, especially when you're with a critically ill child. Yeah, for sure. What about some of the things that parents should keep in mind once baby comes home? Yeah, so um, like I said, you know, you can't um, do anything like sleep training too early. Um, most of the sleep clinicians that I work with would say that before six months, and that would be six months corrected age, uh, you really shouldn't be doing any sleep training. And so those are, you know, you might have heard of the cry it out approaches. Um, those kind of approaches are for later on. But there are things that you can do to kind of set up good sleep habits, um, shape, your infant's sleep a little bit. So as I said, sleep is a learned behavior and our brains kind of get used to the conditions that you set up for sleep. So consistency is really key for that. So having, you know, sort of a routine, you could call it. Uh, in the early days, you can't be very rigid with the routine. But you can think about having a bedtime sort of ritual that you go through. Um, you won't always be able to predict when, say, the last feeding before you want your bedtime to begin might be. But, you know, if it's 7.30 or 8, something like that, you can switch into, you know, a new onesie or PJs, have a cuddle, have a story. Maybe you're doing a bath at that time of day, but a sort of predictable series of activities that are enjoyable for you as the parent and kind of soothing for the infant. And if that happens routinely over time, then the infant gets used to that and it kind of sets the stage for sleep. Um, and you can do many versions of that before putting the infant down for naps. You can pay attention to light and sound, just uh, like NICUs are, are trying to do. And you can worry about that most in the evening. During the daytime, having more activity during the daytime also sends that message that daytime is um, you know, more active. And if things are quiet at night, that sends the message that you know, that's when most of our sleeping uh, ideally occurs or you're moving uh, towards that anyways. 
And then the other thing is to kind of try and break things up uh, in terms of links between uh, feeding and sleeping. So if you have the opportunity anytime you can to put your baby down drowsy but still awake, that will be to your advantage later on. So it just gives babies the opportunity to know what it's like to still be awake when they're placed down on the surface that they're going to sleep on um, and have that sensation of going to sleep rather than being, for example, held until they're really, really sound asleep and being put down. That's not gonna work perfectly, anywhere near perfectly in the early days, because um, babies you know, do need help. But anytime you can kind of capitalize on that, when you see your little one's eyes kind of drooping and you get the sense that they, they're ready um, to go to sleep, to try and give them the opportunity to be placed down and fall asleep on their own will help. So that might mean not feeding them until they're completely, um, you know, milk drunk, as uh, we sometimes say. You might want to, you know, give them a little burp, rub their back, do just a little something to, to rouse them a little bit before putting them down to, to help with that. I know that some of your research has looked at uh, issues surrounding sleep in pregnancy and what some of the predictors and some of the challenges there might be. I'm wondering if you could touch a little bit on that for us. Yeah, um, I mean, we know that sleep gets worse as the trimesters uh, go on. You know, it's still really an area where we don't have as many answers as we'd like. So, uh, you know, the debate still continues. Uh, is it better to miss out on sleep in pregnancy because it's preparing you for sleep deprivation? in the past. Some would say that if you're a good sleeper during your pregnancy, that it's you know a challenge uh, when the infant arrives and you're sleep deprived. But uh, you know, similar findings in terms of mood. So we know uh, if you've, you're really struggling with sleep uh, during your pregnancy, you're at higher risk of having depressive symptoms during pregnancy and that that will likely extend uh, into the postpartum. So again, during pregnancy, really trying to carve out the time for sleep. You know, I think there's sort of pressure to get lots of things done before the baby arrives. Uh, and if you've got other kids, um, then it's really hard um, to, to put that time in for sleep. I think it's partly giving yourself permission to go to bed earlier than many adult humans do <laughs> and and that that's okay you know it's it's a way of maximizing uh, the sleep that you can get I'm wondering about your thoughts on some of the I guess the tricks and the tips that are out there now I know there's a lot of you know guided meditations and podcasts and even music that's apparently you know created to help you fall asleep are there things like that that can really be helpful if you're struggling yeah, you know, we need to lower a certain amount of vigilance uh, in order to fall asleep. And I think that's what prevents people from falling asleep a lot of the time. If you feel like got a long to-do list or you're just feeling really wired, then those strategies are great. 
you know, if you're making a to-do list in your head, then take a minute and actually get a piece of paper and download your brain onto that piece of paper. Yeah, you know, progressive muscle relaxation, guided meditation, there are lots and lots of apps um, and podcasts and things that provide that now. And that can be a great way to help you transition. And again, the more consistent you are with using those, then your body just, you know, more easily uh, switches into sleep mode if you're used to to using those. So consistency is great. But it's really whatever works for you. You know, if it's a hot bath, if it's doing some yoga stretches, reading a book, whatever is best for you. What would you like parents listening to keep in mind? as the the final thought on this topic for today? I think to recognize that getting enough and good quality sleep is challenging, not to beat yourself up too much about it. I think in some ways it's unfortunate sleep has kind of become a competitive sport. I, I think we need to move away from that. You've just got to try and carve out as much time for it as possible. But one of the wonderful things about sleep is you get a new chance to do it over the next day. And so one terrible night is not going to be uh, the be all and end all. You get a chance to try again the next night. And and there are things that you can do to, to help it get better over time. I love that idea that, yeah, you, you get another chance tomorrow yeah. to do this all over Absolutely. again. <laughs> and it's true, that idea that it is, it's this competitive, it's kind of that same, everyone's trying to be so busy and everyone's trying to be better at sleeping and yeah. we, we are putting so much competitiveness to everything. Yeah. Uh, I thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us about this today. It was great chatting with you. Dr. Robin Stremler is a neuroscientist, professor, and researcher. She's involved in numerous projects studying sleep with a focus on the family. For more on her work regarding sleep for families with critically ill children, sleep during pregnancy and with a newborn, teen sleep, and more, visit www.stremlerresearch.com. With You in the NICU is created to keep pumping mothers and others company in and out of the NICU. It is produced for the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation by Jenna Morton and Tosh Taylor. Financial assistance is provided through education grants from presenting sponsor Medela with support from AbbVie and Prolacta. You can learn more about the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation by following them on Facebook or online at cpbf-fbpc.org.